Bob. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as Premium Unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. Good morning. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. This is an interactive call-in show where you call in and ask the questions and uh, help you out by trying to help you fix your car or get you a starting point in fixing that car or got a new car, used car you're looking at, um, whatever you might be looking at. We can kind of give you an idea. Hey, is that a good car to head towards? Um, is that not a good car to head towards? You know, what kind of problems you're having? Uh, my name is Bob. Sitting next to me is Kyle every week. And we are Buchanan Service Centers. 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, and guaranteed breaks of 49th and Dodge. Uh, we're on Dodge, so stop in and see us. Uh, boy, it's going to be a beautiful day out today. I mean, we can get some work done in the garage today, or, boy, you might as well push it out in the sun. Yeah. Before it, for the next. Tired of the gloomy garage. Been dealing with that all winter. Yeah. Yeah, and I get, I think next week, at least in this part of the country, I think it's going to get uh, rainy and potentially snow. I, I think I've seen oh God, not again. blizzard in the in the northern part <laughs> and maybe rain here. And we're going to have the whole gamut. We're going to have no, we're going to four seasons here, I think, next week again. Leave so, it to Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> it's spring. You can tell you all the the rocket or the the every the berries that are falling on the ground so it's about that time for that so you know here you go you're making a mess of your paint <laughs> yeah yeah so night try not to park underneath the trees if you can if you have a nice car all that's going to do is drop down it's going to rain you got spots all over the place you can't get out Close to sap season. Close to sap season, yeah, boy. It's always you, fun to get off a paint. Oh, job. isn't it though? You know, in in any kind of trees that are sapping, and you know that stuff is horrible to get off a of paint. I tell you what. So by the time you're done, your hands smell like a pine tree for a week. And yeah, you know, and I, I think you. Terrible. Just, I, th I think what we've done in the past is you know you got to take super hot water out there, and you spray everything down with uh, tar and bug remover, which seems to work really well. Yeah. It's got some sort of solvent in it that works real well. Super hot water and a couple of gloves so you don't burn your hands and and <laughs> don't park after it. <laughs> yeah, don't park your there ever again. And that's that also leads up to the uh, you know if you're parking if you if you have to park there you know I know everybody wants to park underneath the tree because it's shade but what you have happen there is all the leaves the, debris trees are messy trees are messy and then all that does is get down into the wiper area and then that has a problem where it plugs yeah. up the cabin air filter. Next thing you know, your cowl's not draining, your fenders rust out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago we had, you know, a car had been sitting for a while, and uh, that the, the mouse and the, and the family, and I think the relatives moved in, and uh, oh yeah, we, we I think we pulled a five gallon bucket full of uh, white fluff out of the out of the cowl of this car, and of course, the, what exactly what you said, it had rained in that amount of time as it, it will, and there was just a bunch of water on the inside of the car. Oh yeah, it just it's like Nowhere Hoover, it's like Hoover Dam. <laughs> it works great. Those guys, those little critters, do a great job. Oh yeah, they could pack things away. And then when they're done, they just move on. Yeah, there, there was no signs of them when we had there. So, yeah. 
So again, five five eight eleven ten is the numbers to get in. Let's let's help you with your project or your question, and uh, see if we can't get you to the head of the line and and uh, get that car going. So I was looking around doing some research for the show today, and uh, there's ten things of where did they go on cars? Where'd they go? Where'd they go? We we don't we have them on some cases, and then other cases they just went out of favor. So we still have antennas. But the the retractable antenna. Well, you know the one that went and the old well, Cadillacs yeah. that went up in the air and then they came back down and, of course, you wanted to listen to the radio in the car wash, so it ripped off the antenna and oh, now yeah. you needed a whole new antenna and then a, I got pretty good at putting those in. Yeah. Now we yeah. don't have to change them. Well, and then all the old Cadillacs you see run around are still have them sticking in the air. Yeah. Because they motor quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you you know we put a we, there was a. There was a Mercedes that always used to love go through the car wash, and, and she liked to listen to the radio. And the only way you could turn that one down was you had to shut the car off. Really? And sometimes she didn't want to do that. Because it's hot outside. You want to sit in the car like that. But, you know, that was 15 years ago, and that, that was an $800 uh, antenna assembly. Yeah. And she did that a couple of times. Nice. <laughs> so <laughs> It's not going to inconvenience me. We started running it through for her after that. Yeah, <laughs> it was getting too expensive. So here's another one you don't see too often much of any kind of cars, uh, maybe in some work trucks, but a bench seat. Well, you, you know, maybe in a plain Jane truck, but you just maybe. don't. Maybe. Maybe, but those are all kind of turned into. Uh, three-quarter, yeah. Yep, three-quarter. So you can have people sit across or you can have a, you got to have some place to rest your right elbow. I mean, you just. Yeah. You do. You got so much crap now that you got to have some place to put it, so you got to. Got to have a center console to put that in there, too. Uh, a lighter. You know, we just don't have lighters in cars anymore. No, there's a power source. Power source. Can't call it a cigarette lighter anymore. No, no ashtrays, too. No ashtrays. Uh, and they, they should, you know, in my opinion, they should still keep it the ashtray, just change the name to... Change drawer. Change drawer, coin purse, you know, whatever the yeah. the hip name would be to it, because that's, that's what I use it for. I mean, why else? Um, cassettes and CDs, that number six. Eight tracks, yeah. Oh, well, and eight. <laughs> I remember that was way back. <laughs> one of the first trucks I had had a JC Penny eight track player in it. And oh, yeah, the add-ons underneath. I was like, wow, this underneath, is yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Go to a garage sale and try to find some eight tracks, see if it'll play. It just tears them all up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible, horrible sound. Anyway, and number four and five kind of go together a little bit, which is manual steering and manual windows. So you used to be able to get like a little Mazda pickups uh, that had yeah. manual steering, no, you know, just like no window. Yeah, yeah, it was just a truck. That was it, just a basic old truck. Uh, car phones. Remember the car phone? You just have to have a car phone. We still have oh, some yeah. Mercedes that yeah, come it had in. The that, dial pad on the dash. Yeah, had the dial pad on the dash, and then everybody had to have that antenna on the side of the window. I mean, if you oh, were, God. if you had an antenna on the side of the window, yeah, you were somebody. You you were somebody. You had yeah. some. You had some. Ex- cash to spend you really buy a did. house from that guy <laughs> <laughs> and uh here, here's another one that kind of went away and i'm kind of happy with it is the pulling the choke to get it started in the morning because of the carburetors my falcon still got that yeah you know and i got kinda a car makes me feel like i'm doing something i got a car that still has that too but i it, i switched it over to electric so i don't yeah. <laughs> it's just there for looks yeah and then number one was vent windows 
you know, I mean, you'd like a Volkswagen Bug or something like. You didn't have a bunch of air conditioning, so you had to flip the vent the other way and and get going as fast as you. Tornado in the car. Yeah, yeah. So if you went 50, 60 mile an hour and you had that vent window cranked to the side, you could get as much air in there as you could, and you got to get the little air dam for outside there, so you don't mess up your hair. Yeah, you got to divert the air the right way. Yeah, Yeah. accessory for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. God, the accessories that used to come with cars. I mean, it was incredible. And, and they just keep adding stuff. What you know? What was some of the other things you don't? Uh, I remember back in the '60s and '70s, you wanted to preserve all your interior, so you'd put plastic vinyl on there. Oh yeah, which was great in the in the summertime. Yeah, I mean, it was just hot and sticky, and yeah, you get out of the car and take it with you. It's stuck <laughs> to you so hard. You couldn't move. Whatever spot there was, you couldn't move. So I don't know. All right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's that's right. You know, there's I'm sure there's much more, and we'll think about those as we kind of go along and, and kind of see what we got. But uh, um, want to go to a call or got a call? Nope. Okay. All right. We had a, a call that, that came in, and he just didn't want to be on the air. But we'll we'll answer this question for you. His question was, um, why? What's the purpose of a resonator in the exhaust? So if you don't know what kind of what a resonator is, is that the exhaust comes out of the engine, kind of comes down through your catalytic converter, kind of comes into, I kind of call it a pre-muffler, and yeah. that's kind of what it is. A resonator yeah. is just a pre-muffler. It kind of knocks uh, maybe 10%, yeah, 20%, what, what, however big or good the filter may be or the resonator may be. And, and the smaller ones don't do much of anything. The bigger ones have a tendency to... Uh, they got chambers inside of it, and that chambers just takes some of that noise out. Yeah. And by the time it gets back through its S curve of needing to go back to the muffler, there's just not much of any more sound that the muffler has to do. So that's kind of what a resonator is and what it does. And a lot of times it'll it'll rust away, and it comes out of the factory that way. But a lot of times, it just when you replace just that piece, you'll come with a straight pipe. Yeah. Sometimes you can buy a resonator and put it back in there to kind of restore the noise to the, to the same decibels. But other, other times you put it just kind of a straight pipe in and you'll notice it being a little louder. Yeah. Kind of like when you, when people take off their mufflers and just put in, you hear the trucks that are around town, they just, they had to put on these, uh, aftermarket exhaust. Well, they're just taking the mufflers out and the, and the, and the resonators out and just running straight pipes. And that's what gets you a louder noise. And I think that's kind of, I don't know, it kind of goes in and out and in and out. I think yeah. we're back into it right now. All the trucks seem to be getting it. I noticed that yeah. uh, I was a, into that for a long time, long time ago. We've got an import car club that likes to drive by the shop every once in a while. And yeah. Like a swarm of bees. And yep. Bunch yep. of cars with a coffee yep. can on the back. Of I it. prefer it to be quiet. Yeah. I, I, you know, you can come, you come home late, Kyle, and nobody knows now. Yeah. Yeah, well, one person will know. <laughs> yeah, one person will know. Exactly. All right, 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a bit. Can I have your attention, please? Forward march. Oh, I wish that I was Mr. Mechanic. That is who I truly want to be. Because if I was Mr. Mechanic, everyone would be in love with me. Mr. Mechanic is all meat and all good meat, too. Rich and complete protein meat. Wait, what? I think this is supposed to be for Oscar Mayer Wiener. Oh, okay. I wish that I was Mr. Mechanic. 
Okay, kid. Kid, stop sticking. If I was Mr. Mechanic, oh well. Mr. Mechanic, throw him in a bun and have some fun. Okay, I know this is for hot dogs. All right, we are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in, and and let's help you try to fix your car and any kind of questions you have. Let's give us a call. Uh, We're going to head to uh, what? we got some old car accessories. Is that uh, good? Cass, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, hello. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if you all remember, but the, they used to have an under-dash record player for automobiles. You know, I, I think they're made Motorola's. Yeah, I remember that. And, in fact, I think uh, I, we probably Cadillac did a story. Cadillac had them for a while. Yeah, Cadillac had them for a while. And, in fact, I think there was a here probably in the last five years or so, somebody, some luxury brand tried to revive that. And uh, you're kidding. No, no, they had it down. You could pull it down. I want to say BMW, Mercedes, or McLaren, or something like probably, you know, somebody yeah. like that. But really? of course, the technology now is better than it was then. And, you know, there's nothing better than listening to an old vinyl. And I guess that's what you wanted. I suppose if you live in some parts of the country, it's great because the roads are smooth. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do right. that here. <laughs> that's what One sharp right turn or a pothole, and you're going to ruin the mood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just thought uh, it was funny of all the stuff that was uh, we've had in cars and stuff that's gone away. Yep. I do have a question for you. Yeah. Okay, I got 2010 Ford Expedition. Okay. And my left and right front turn signal do not work. I replaced the bulbs, uh, checked the fuses, and replaced the turn signal switch. And I still can't get the front turn the front turn signals to work the back do but the front don't okay well normally where i would go is we got to figure out what we're missing are we missing power or are we missing ground right it just comes down to that and then from there you tackle one side of the circuit if okay if you got it in back chances are and, and we already know it's your turn signal switch you've got power up to turn signal switch it's just not going forward and I agree with right. Kyle. You need to go to your, your bulbs and to your sockets and find out if you're missing ground or if you're missing power. I'm going to say okay. you're missing ground. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, just because what about, there's bulkhead connectors up there, and there's also studs on the on the radiator saddle up there. They never put them in a good place. They no, they don't. The first place that rusts out. Yeah. Yeah, and look behind uh, the headlights, if I remember correctly, on some of the Ford products. Um, they, they had some grounds there will affect only things underneath the uh, underneath the hood. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, also, one other place. What about those little turn signal lights in the side view mirrors? Could they have any issue with that? Uh, could, but I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. It's going to be its own individual circuit. Yep, yep. So if you've got everything in the uh, back, we know everything going back there is fine, and your grounds are are fine back there, and then everything okay. going forward. So you've either lost, yeah, just like Kyle mentioned, just uh, check for powers and grounds at the socket, and see which one you're missing. And if you're if you're missing okay, grounds, go go clean every ground you can find. And if you're missing a power, you're just going to have to maybe get a diagram and kind of work backwards towards that. Mm-hmm. Check the fuses All first right. thing. I'm sure you've done that though, but. Yeah, well, I have a little mechanic. He's going to, I guess. Yeah. All yeah. right. Try that. If well, you need some you. more help, give us a call. I will. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, with Mike's up next with the 04 GMC Arcadia. Mike, what's going on today? 14. I got a 2014 GMC Arcadia. It's got about a little over 80,000 miles on it. Huh? And I go through about a quarter of oil a month. And I brought it in, and the guy just told me that that's what those motors do, but I don't drip it. Doesn't said just keep adding a quarter of oil a month. That'd be the cheapest thing you can do. Is there anything else I can do? Put a high mileage oil in or anything? How, how many miles is that? 80,000? A little over 80,000. Well, I mean, per, per every... Yeah, oh, I mean, maybe maybe 1,400 at the most. Yeah, so uh, about, that's a lot of oil going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing you're really going to have is you're either going to burn it through the engine or you're going to leak it out, uh, out out onto the pavement. If you're not leaking it out on the pavement, you've either got... Uh, PCV the, system yep. might not be working correctly. Yep. Um, so if a PV, the PCV system, what that does is it has to be able to expel uh, some of the gases that are inside the engine. It, there's fresh air that comes in. The PCV valve kind of sucks that out and kind of reburns it. If that B, uh, PCV valve is stuck, it pressurizes the inside of the engine, and then it just kind of forces oil past the rings. So that's probably the first place to look at. Yeah. Um, so the PVC valve would fix it, maybe. Yeah, and and it, check to see if it's got. Not every car has one anymore. Sometimes they have just a metered orifice leak. Yeah, yeah. they're integrated into a valve cover or something like right. that. Right. Is that a cheap fix or? That that's probably the cheaper fix. Yeah. I mean, it's that is on that particular car. The other possibility is, I mean, if you go to. Um, you know, you maybe go to a little bit heavier weight oil. Are you running synthetic on it at this particular point? Yeah, just running synthetic. Yep. Yeah. So I, I used to have a vehicle every time I used to run the synthetic, 530 synthetic, full synthetic, it would just burn oil and just... It'll find leaks. That it'll find leaks, saw. yeah, that you never had before. So I went back to a conventional 530, and I, I pretty much stopped my leaks and, and stopped my oil. So I probably turned it in half, but that truck had 170,000 miles on it. Yeah. And... You know, I only had to probably add every couple of thousand miles as a quart of oil, but I slowed it down quite a bit. So that would probably be my my first thing to go. And then the next thing would be it's just pulling past the rings. So you might be able to do a, a upper motor flush. That may not be anything maybe you want to tackle, but a shop could probably tackle that to probably maybe unstick those rings. But I would try PCV first. Yeah. M- maybe go to conventional. Yeah, maybe go to conventional 530 instead of the synthetic. And okay. uh, see, kind of do this in stages. Do it in steps. Don't do it all at one time. But PCB valve and change the oil to a thicker weight and see where you go from there. Sounds good to me, then. I'll try a 530 just conventional. See what happens first. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate the call. You know, and if you look on some of the manufacturers' websites, <laughs> and we were just talking about this the other yesterday, in fact, uh, back when Saturn was around, they're, they're – industry standards what they put on paper of how much oil that car could burn was a quart per thousand yeah and that was acceptable like that now and that was acceptable yeah i mean with the thin oils that we have zero twenty and one case is 15 zero sixteen zero sixteen i mean you're going with super super it's a weight of oil yeah water yeah lightweight oil i mean it's just super thin and it's done that more for because of the bearing clearance that's in there and what mileage is kind of why it's really come out. Um, but yeah, it's. 
and you can't you, you can't go dumping just big heavy you can't go from like zero 20 and then start 15, putting 40 yeah you can't do that because what you'll create in there is what they call oil damming and what that is is that the oil builds up next to the 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 journals mm-hmm. or the bearings and never penetrates down inside in the middle of the bearings and now it's starving for oil and you're going to end up accelerate yeah, yeah. you're going to ruin the motor accelerate the wear so that thin oil is there, and that's why we change oil and put synthetic back in it is that it gets down into the bearings. But in some cases, if you go up just to from synthetic to stay at 530, but just go from synthetic mm-hmm. to conventional, you're not going very far away. You're not, yeah. you're not jumping a lot. You're just jumping very little. So try that and see what we got. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show, 558-1110. Some numbers to get in. We'll be back in a bit. Okay, we are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is a number to get in. Let's uh, try to help you with your car. Figure out what's what to get you going, get it back on the road. We're going to head over to the phone calls real quick. Be patiently waiting. Thank you. Uh, Doug, got a 95 convertible Corvette. Or, or no, Z28, excuse me. Yes, uh, I've got a 1995 Z28 Camaro. And the dome lights will come on by themselves while the car is parked and then kill the battery. Uh, the other day, I was closing the garage door, and pop, they just come on. So I've been disconnecting the battery to avoid that, but uh, I was wondering what the problem was. Well, I've seen a couple different things with these. The door jam switch on those, if I remember, is it on the end of the dash? I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. because those doors are fiberglass, essentially. Yes. And over time, I mean, they kind of, you might not see it, but they get out of adjustment to where they won't make contact with that switch. And they'll hang. Yeah, or the other thing, there's a stopper on your door panel that hits that switch, and I've seen those come out also or become misaligned. Or Sometimes you got to take that plug out. It's just like a door panel clip, and you can put a washer behind that to get some more contact on your switch. But I would start by checking that. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, they're, they got power to them all the time, and then when you shut the door, it just disconnects the power, wow. yep. and that's what turns the light out, and it just doesn't press that plunger in farther than as much as it needs to. And sometimes those plungers get out of out of adjustment. Yeah. Sometimes you might have to replace it. So It's a cheap, easy fix. Yeah, but. and if it's a driver's door, you're right, they, the doors hang after a period of time because they're so heavy. I mean, they are fiberglass, but they, they just... It's a long door. It's a long door and, and not a very good hinge, so... Yeah, it sounds like an easy fix. I thought it might be some kind of short someplace, but I'll take a look at it. I would doubt it. that. I'd start with your driver's door switch. Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. We'll do. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You bet. Yeah, thanks. You bet. Appreciate the call. You know, in newer cars now that they've gotten rid of that switch thing. It's all in the you know, that, there, there's, no, there's something else. We got rid of door jam switches. So that, we, they one put piece it, at a time. One These cars pe- are going away. <laughs> one piece <laughs> at a time. So they've still got the same thing. What they've done is now they've moved that switch from the door jam, and they've incorporated it in the door latch. So now when the door latch, so when we check for a draw on, on nowadays cars or newer cars, We'll just go over and flip the latch like the door's shut with a with a screwdriver, yep. and then we can leave the doors open, and then we can check out whatever we need to, and then when we're done checking it out, we can just flip the latch open and the door shuts like it's supposed to. It's actually much more efficient for us yeah. and much more efficient for the manufacturer to be able to put that. But they got everything in there now. The lock, the latch. The lock, the latch, the light switch. Yeah, actuator. Yeah, they got it all. The light switch. Yeah, they got it all in there. Your door jar switch, that's part of that too. Yeah. So. 
All right, we're going to head over to Bob. Bob's got a 98 Buick. Bob, what's going on today? Morning, guys. On my uh, 3800, the intake manifold, you know, the plastic top one. Uh-huh. Yeah. When, when you're replacing those, you normally replace the lower intake gasket, too. And, uh, I like to because you're that far anyway. While you're in there. Yeah, always. Always. And the reason you do it always is because they, uh, they're uh, rubber O-rings that are on there, plastic intake manifold, and the, the rubber. The rubber all starts off with, you know, nice, and, and O-ring starts always off as an O-ring and turns into a flat ring. Yeah. So uh-huh. every time you do that, replace it. That way you don't have any leaks because once you separate it, um, you can certainly have a leak on the other side because you just will. It's old. old. And most of the time when you pull them off, that plastic has gotten hot and cold so many times, it's going to shatter anyway. It's just a matter of time. Okay. And, it, you know, if okay. you're going to replace the manifold or just the gaskets? Uh, no, replacing the manifold. Okay. Right? All right. Yep. Because uh, the biggest portion of what happens back in that particular era of car is that the manifold, the exhaust recirculation valve will burn inside that plastic manifold. and They crack and you hydrolock your engine. And- hydrolock your engine, burns antifreeze, and turns into a big problem. Well, so, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I think happened. Yeah, I my son-in-law was driving it, and, you know, I think he got a hydrolock when I went to get mm-hmm. it back there. So it's been a long process. What about the uh, the belt tensioner? That they said that those uh, there's those little right angles that come off of there. Yeah, the bypass. Yeah, bypass yeah. tubes. Replace, replace yeah. those. Um, they make an updated set that are made out of metal. Yeah. Instead of that yeah, plastic, so go with those. Yeah, you do re- one repair. Because if you go back to the plastic ones, you'll just be doing it again, yeah. again. Use the use metal them, ones. Yeah, right. use the metal ones, and and it works great. Yeah, we, that's pretty much the only thing we use is the metal ones. It, it looks like like there's some on the top that the heater hose goes into also. On that. There's, yeah, the heater hose comes out of those? there. No, don't. We don't ever really replace no, those. Don't ever need to on the back side of that tensioner. No, that's where both of the hose. Hoses go through. You know, I don't know why we thought we needed to run the heater hoses through the uh, the, serp- uh, the yeah serpentine belt tensioner. But hey, yeah, I don't yeah. either. It was probably the guy's last day, and he says, "I'm going to just put this down. Watch this. Mechanics then, are going to love it." Yeah, they just signed <laughs> off on that, and then he went to work somewhere else. So it uh, yeah, they could have done a little better than that. But no, you don't need to mess with anything in the back. Just the elbows up front. You buy them in a kit at the hardware store, in a hardware store, but the parts store and yeah. helpline. They're metal. Right. They, they work great. You won't ever have a problem again. No. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, happy Easter, guys. If I don't talk to you before. All right. Happy Easter. You you got your work cut out for you. Got got a lot of work there to do. Yeah. You know, and if it hydrolock oh. the engine, if it hydrolock the engine, pull all the spark plugs. You know, get them all yeah. out, and then you can crank the engine over and uh, get as much of that coolant yeah, out I, as you can. I check. Yeah, I checked it already in turn, and uh, then I threw some WD-40 in there. Yeah, make sure you're the one cranking over the engine, and you're not out underneath the hood because there'll be water flying everywhere. And Been then you, there, I know. Yeah, yeah. all that all turns right. into is a an extra shower per day. So yeah. don't don't do that. <laughs> all right, Bob. Well, I, thanks, guys. You bet. Appreciate the call. All right, we're we're gonna head over to Jeff. Jeff's got an 05 Impala. Jeff, go ahead. Um, so about every time we refill the gas, uh, 
tank, the uh, the gas gauge will flip about 90 degrees to pass full. Okay. And then it, if you start it uh, three or four times, uh, it does it, and then it just stops and runs normal again. Do you have any idea what causes something like that? Well, they have instrument cluster problems. That's about the only thing that's going to cause that to read that erratic. And then, um, and after that, it seems to work fine. Yes. Try hitting and the dash. Next time I fill it, next time I fill it, it'll, you know, a couple times it'll be good, and then it'll just start. Like when it comes on, it just keeps going past the pole. And... Try smacking the dash. See if that does anything. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're just kind of. You're trying. You either got a bad connection on the dash, or you got a, a, a electrical plug in the back that's got a problem. You only really got two choices here. One is you got a dash problem, and one is you've got a sending unit inside the gas tank that's a problem. And then once you finally fill it up with gas, and that float moves, it's just hitting a bad spot. And but but you say it works fine. Once you once it goes to full, it goes all the way back down to empty and, and normally, yeah. and it doesn't seem to have a problem. Well, no. When I shut it off, if it's reading erratic, it'll go to like half a tank. And then when you turn it on, it goes past full again. So I think there's a problem in that like instrument cluster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. That's that's probably the first place we're going to start. And then the other place is, is a sending unit inside the tank. But I I agree with Kyle. you got a problem inside. That's why he's asking you when you have an issue, kind of take your hand, flat part of your hand, and kind of tap on top of the dash and see if that – jumps around when you're doing that and if it does then you know that you've isolated where the problem's at okay right. thank you you bet appreciate the call all right we're going to take a quick break on mr mechanic show we'll be back in a minute all right we are back on the mr mechanic show 558 number to get in uh, we're buchanan service centers 80th and dodge 50th and dodge and guaranteed breaks at 49th and dodge we're going to go right back into the call so we can get everybody's question answered doug uh 2012 honda civic doug go ahead yeah, uh, I got a 2012 Honda Civic with 120,000 miles on it, and the battery light uh, stays on it. And I'll tell you what I've done. I've replaced all the fuses, and I found out that the alternator was bad. I had it checked out, and so I replaced that, and then I replaced the ELD detector, which is uh, in the fuse panel under the hood. Mm-hmm. And then I replaced the battery sensor on the negative battery terminal. And I replaced the battery, and I checked for drains. And the only thing I can see left in this circuit is that ECM, that uh, engine control module. Do you have any ideas? Have you checked your ground? I have checked all the grounds. I have, on the, you know, on the alternator, it seems to be charging and everything. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and to that ground sensor battery, uh, it's supposed to have positive on both sides. Well, it does have that. And uh, But when it goes up to that ECM, it drops down to like 9 volts. Well, there's an issue. Yeah, so you've done all this work and the light is still on, correct? Yes. Okay. So when the alternator charges, Kyle, it's just sending a voltage signal back to the dash that says, hey, the alternator's charging, and it, that's just reports back to the dash to turn the light out. So I would imagine you got some sort of wiring problem between that particular wire. Um, well, from which wire? 
Well, that has that load sensor in the yeah. fuse panel. Right. So I would want to get a good look at the bottom of that fuse panel. Okay. Is this the one on the passenger side of the car I'm trying to remember? Well, no, it's on the, underneath the hood on the driver's side. Okay. Okay. I haven't seen too many of those problems, mm -hmm. but I would check your powers going into the bottom of your fuse panel. Okay. See kind of on what's any, going on underneath there. On any particular, uh, like on that ELD well, detector yeah. or what? Look at that thing close and see kind of what voltages are in there. Or take that, the older ones, you could take that load detector out and then run them and see kind of full fields your alternator mm -hmm. and kind of see what happens then. Yeah, because if your alternator is sending out that signal through the regulator, then it's it's going to that load detector and then mm -hmm. back to the dash. Yep. So either A, it's not it's not coming out of the alternator, uh, which I think it probably is because it probably was with the old alternator. It probably yeah. is with the new alternator. It's just been stopped somewhere between the dash and the alternator itself. So that's where you need to kind of follow that circuit to it. Well, that's where I fo follow it to that ECM control module, engine control module, okay. and that's where it's dropping the voltage. It's is possible. Down. Yeah, it's possible. It's going into the computer, and it's just not reading it correctly on the inside and, and transferring that information back out to the to the dash. Yeah. It's not a very is common it? thing for a Honda to have no, an ECM at all. at all. I mean, it's very, very uncommon for that to happen, but it's electronic like anything else in the world, so um, it, it can fail. A possibility that I heard that you have to flash it or something. Oh, it has to be programmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they all they all come zero information in them, and you've got to uh, flash it to that particular car and what the the uh, the trim level and everything that's on that car in there because it doesn't there's, know. There's companies online you can get them programmed and sent to you to where, but you're still going to have to learn security system to it and a few other things. But those companies can save you a lot of the hard work. Right. Okay. Well, I'll yeah. give it a whirl. <laughs> I know it's it's it could be a pain when it comes to wiring and checking all that out and spending the time and it just it can drive you nuts. Welcome, welcome to our world every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Thank well, you. You bet. And if you yeah. need some more help, let us know. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right, we're gonna head over to Ken O One Ford Ranger. Ken, what's going on? Um, in the summertime, when I use the air conditioner, I have problems with the overheating, the coolant, and uh, I've uh, replaced the thermostat, replaced the fender, uh, flushed it, and did about everything I could. And I was heard that maybe the water pumps actually wear out over time. It's got about 100,000 miles. Is uh, that normally those will make it overheat all the time. Right. The first place I'm going to go is look between your radiator and condenser. See if there's a bunch of debris in the front of your radiator that's not able to pull air through it. Yeah, could you say this only happened, doesn't happen it's any other dry. time other than the the summertime, right? Right. Yeah, it can't breathe. Right. Yeah. yeah, Kyle's right. It can't breathe. Yeah. So this is no different than what it looks like on the outside of your home air conditioner where it gets all the cotton and everything on there. Well, you can see that, and you spray it off at home because you can see it. Well, you cannot see between the, the radiator and the condenser, and it'll just be packed in there. So that's the first place to start. And 
take a hose out and you can kind of go backwards, go from the radiator fan backwards the other way. I bet blow you blow, out of there, you'll blow it all out of there with water too after you blow it out of there with air. So, okay. Try that. Okay. And if still got problems, give us a call back. We can. I bet you get it fixed. Yeah, you're going to get it fixed. I agree. All right. Well, that just about ends the, uh, the another Mr. Mechanic show. That went fast, didn't it, Kyle? Yeah. All right. So, uh, 558-1110 to numbers to get in next week. Get in early so we can help you solve your problem, and, and uh, we'll kind of see what the weather holds on and what kind of problems we got next week. So yeah. I'm Bob. Kyle. We'll see you next week.